0: good morning how's everyone this morning who is so so not so well (laughs) it's summertime and hopefully uh we're all feeling refreshed we are being able to take some time away on holiday i know that i we had a really good time this week it was the first holidays of 2022 for a whole week didn't have to work didn't have to think long about work how many of you are on holiday right now? God bless you. I envy you because tomorrow is work day now, for us. But it's so good to stop and um, thankfully it was actually so. Um, even knowing that I was going to preach this Sunday, I'm I'm grateful that it was. Uh, God allowed me to really take some time off, be just being with the family, being with the girls, and then um, yesterday we spoke uh, spoke with Gabby and we kind of decided okay i'm going to take saturday off early in the morning and we're going to i'm going to have time just to be with god and make sure that i receive what god wanted me to speak with you this morning and that i have to admit it it's a bit risky having to prepare tw- 24 hours before a sunday Is a bit risky. You, I had an idea of where things were going. Let me put the the time here, otherwise I'm going to go on forever. So, and it's interesting that um, I had something in my mind, but actually uh, on Saturday morning I wasn't feeling very refreshed because Sky had a bit of a rough night, and then you wake up at 6:30, you have your coffee. And you're playing with, with Sky a little bit, and you're already thinking, okay, I need to be, I need to be fresh in my mind because I need to prepare the message. I cannot be in this state. So you ask the Lord to bless the coffee, that it will be life-changing, that that numbness of your mind will go away. And, um, but around 8 a.m., I told Gabby, Gabby, stay with, with Sky a little bit. I need to go for a quick nap Just one of those quick naps that will make everything um, refreshed in your mind. But I I went into bed just a little bit longer. Um, Actually, I didn't sleep because my mind was already popping and thinking, I need to prepare the message and I need to be focused on it. Uh, And I kind of did a desperate prayer, God, you know all things, you know how my mind is feeling right now, but you can fill me with your word. You can give me the confidence of of what you want to share with with your family, with the body of Christ this morning. And this one word came into my my heart, and I had no idea why. Maranatha. How many of you have heard about this word, Maranatha? It's such a funny word in a way because it only shows up once in the whole Bible. There are not that many words that only show up once once in the Bible, and it shows up. In 1 Corinthians 16.22, and it's an Aramaic word that it is trans, uh, translated into Greek that simply means, come, Lord. And Paul cried, so this shows up in First Corinthians, and we came from a message series um, about spiritual gifts that we were in the book of First Corinthians for the longest time. So we get to know a little bit more about this church, about this community We know that Paul wrote to this church in the city of Corinth. It was a blessed church. Paul was saying in chapter 1, the church of Corinth was a very blessed church. But it also had so many problems. It had so many conflicts due to pride, due to lack of love, due to lack of misunderstanding of the cross, misunderstanding of the gospel, So after this very long letter in the New Testament, taking so much of his energy just to deal with all of these issues, Paul simply cries at the end of this letter, Come already, Lord Jesus. He uses this word, Maranatha, Come, Lord Jesus. So why is this an important cry? Why is this an important word? Because Paul was able to lay down all of his tiredness, and all of his frustrations on the promise that Jesus will come back for the final redemption act of those who belong to him. In John chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus said, and he gave us one of the most precious promises in the whole Bible. Jesus said, I won't leave you like orphans. I will come back to you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come back. And He will not simply come back, He will come back to us. He will come back because of us. Now Christians, we have lived and died in the past 2,000 years waiting patiently for Jesus to return. Now, this also means that for centuries, Christians have been mocked for believing Jesus' promise that he would come back again. But the truth is, the world didn't believe that God would send his son in the first place. But actually, Jesus came, and he did. And God fulfilled all of his promises regarding Jesus' coming. So everything we read in the Bible of how Jesus was born, of how Jesus lived, what he taught, how he died, how he rose again, how he ascended back to heaven, everything was fulfilled. So if every single promise that God gave us regarding the first coming of Jesus is true and came true, why would we in the world question God's promise that Jesus would come back again for us all? And throughout the New Testament, we see this promise repeated time after time. There are more verses and passages regarding Jesus' second coming than his first coming. That is a very interesting fact. It is said multiple times in the book of James, and I want to mention just these three of them that you can follow on the screen. In James chapter 5, "...be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming." Do not give up hope, because the Lord is coming soon. The judge is near, ready to appear. Now by the tone of these verses, of these reminders of the second coming of Jesus, we understand that the circumstances surrounding that second coming don't seem very easy. Life is a huge gift from God. Thank God that we are alive. Have you thanked God that you are alive here today? Are are you able to thank God that you are healthy enough to be in the presence of God with God's family to worship Him? Life is such a gift and we're grateful for everything that we can experience in life. And there's so many things to be thankful for. So many blessings that we get to enjoy. How many of you love the French toast that you, you had this morning for breakfast? For me, it smelled like pancakes in the beginning, but then you come close and people, actually, it's French toast. God is so good. There's so many things to enjoy, but I think we can all agree that life is not getting any easier. Everyone, and I really believe everyone, is going through a rough time. With everything that is wrong going around in the world... Great confusion, there's great uncertainty in every heart. We can mention the pandemics, we can mention the war, we can mention this, these evil social media challenges for kids that they're all on the news these days and it's just so terrible to listen about. We listen about hatred, we, we look how pornography is all around, issues with abortion,
1: with corruption... I really feel that our hearts are just being tossed around. We feel heavy.
0: And so many times, and even during this week, even though we're on holiday and we're supposed to enjoy all of this time, when we hear about these things, when we see what is going around in the world, there's such heaviness in our hearts. Even on the news channels, everyone is talking about the end of the world. I don't know if you heard, but even major networks, on the media, they're talking about the end of the world. There are around nineteen thousand nuclear warheads in the world today. Nineteen thousand nuclear bombs. That is more than enough to end life on Earth, as we know it. So it really feels that the world is coming to an end. But the Word of God uses this word maranatha. Come, Lord. And it's a reminder that the world is not coming to an end before Jesus comes back. The world is not coming to an end before Jesus comes back to us. That's why we do not give up hope. That's why we are patient. That's why we are eagerly waiting for Him. Why? Because we will live with the Lord forever. Because we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Because we're waiting to live with God in a place where there will be no tears, no suffering, no pain, no sickness. Just living for God and with God forever and ever. Amen. That is what we're waiting for. That is the cry of our hearts, Maranatha. Did you know that in the early church, they didn't greet each other with, hey, how are you doing? Or if they were more traditional Christians, hallelujah, God bless you, praise the Lord, brother. They didn't do that. You know what they used to greet each other with? Maranatha. Because they looked into each other's eyes and they could see suffering, they could see troubles. The early church, they suffered a lot. They suffered persecution for being Christians. It wasn't just in certain parts of the world. It was actually everywhere. If you were a Christian, you were a persona non grata. You were to be disposable from the rest of society. But every time the church got together, every time a Christian met another, they would say, Maranatha. The Lord is coming. That is our hope. That is what we're living for. Even though life is hard, even though we're going through sufferings, even though the world is not a welcoming place for us right now, Maranatha, because our eyes are focused on the second coming of our Lord Jesus.
1: Now when is Jesus going to come back? We don't know. Actually, no one knows except for God. And that is something that He will not
0: reveal to anyone. And maybe you've listened about Christians or preachers or prophets or whoever claiming that they know when Jesus is coming back. And many have done it, but they're just lying about it. Jesus actually calls them false prophets. You're not saying the truth. Because the Bible says that no one knows when Jesus is actually going to come back. But we can learn from Scripture, what will the last days on earth be before Jesus comes back? And that's what I want to focus on this morning as well. How can we know that we're living in the last days? And there's a verse in Matthew 24, just this sentence that Jesus said, that kind of sums everything up all together. It says, Matthew 24, 21 There will be great distress in the world at that time. At the time of the second coming of Jesus, there will be great distress. Not just distress, great distress, unparalleled since the world began. Are you connecting the dots right now in your mind? And we can know more details about it and there are several passages in Scripture that, talks, that talk about what the world will look like. Jesus said some things. Paul said other things. Peter said other things. And I actually want us to read through what the Word says about those times. About the times right before the second coming of Jesus. So let's read together in Matthew 24 and starting in verse 7. If you can follow with me. The word says, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first uh, of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. I think especially this is something that we're seeing more and more. Just because you are a Christian, just because you embrace the life of living life with Jesus, people are starting to look at you differently. While even in a Christian country with a Christian background that is Portugal, even now if you say that you're a Christian and a Christ follower, you're seen differently. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world, so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Let's see what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says but mark this there will be terrible times in the last days people will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boastful proud abusive disobedience to their parents ungrateful unholy without love unforgiving slanderous without self-control brutal not lovers of the good treacherous rash, conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They will act as if they were serving God, but what they do will show that they have turned their backs on God's power. And finally, Peter's description in 2 Peter chapter 3. In the last days, people will make fun of the truth. They will laugh at it. They will follow their own feelings and evil desires. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. So since everything we'll see will one day come to an end, what kind of people should we be? We should live holy lives and serve God as we wait for and look forward to the coming of the day of God and speed its coming. God made a promise to us, and we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth that Jesus has promised, a world where goodness lives. Now, just having read these three passages, let me ask you,
1: do you feel like you are living in the last days? It feels so much like it
0: That Jesus warns us multiple times in Scripture watch
1: out, be ready, be ready, be ready. We need to be ready for the coming of our Lord Jesus. So, the
0: question that we have from the Word of God to us all this morning is are you ready? Are you ready? for the second coming of Jesus. Actually, how can you be ready? Or Do we have to do something? Are we just here to to come to church, to be seated here, listening to God's Word until Jesus comes back? Are we supposed to do something as we wait for the second coming of our Lord? How can we be ready? The Word of God actually tells us so much. So much that I actually couldn't Put everything that the Word of God says about the second coming of Jesus. Everything that we are supposed to do. How you and I are supposed to be ready for the second coming of Jesus. Because everything we've read, and if you will agree with me, shows us that times are coming to an end. Life on earth as we know it will end. And we need to be ready for the return of our Lord. So I want to share with you from the Word of God how you and I can be ready for His return, regardless if it happens tomorrow. And to that we
1: say, Maranatha, who wants Jesus to come tomorrow? Some of you are thinking, man, I just want to get married first. I've prayed that prayer. No shame in that. Okay? And it, it's actually very normal for us to have plans and to
0: have dreams for life and be excited about things in life. And I know that life, it can be very busy and it's hectic and there's so much evil, but in so many times we're caught up with the day-to-day, with our purposes, with our dreams, with the things that we want to accomplish, that we put aside the fact that Jesus is coming very soon. And the Word of God tells us that is what we need to be ready for. More than anything in your life, more ready than for your thesis, more ready than for your wedding, more ready than for any serious relationship, more ready for a new job. We all need to be ready for the second coming of Jesus, regardless if it happens today, tomorrow, can be next week. Can be next year, it can be whenever. How should we live? As Peter asks, how should we live as we wait for Christ's return? So there is, let's call it a checklist. And I don't know if you have your, uh, a notebook with you, if you have paper and pen, if you have, everyone has a, a, a phone these days, a smartphone. And you have a notes app. Maybe you don't know, use it very often, How many of you use the notes app on your phones? Okay, it's a very useful app even to take notes about the message on Sunday so that you can go study during the week and go back to the Word of God. So let me suggest that you use it. Make good use of it. And I'm going to share with you passages that we all need to apply into our lives. Things that the Word of God tells us that we all need to be doing in order to be ready for Christ's return. And the first advice from Scripture, the first order from Scripture, we found it in, first Col- in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. The Bible says, Christ is our life. And when He comes again, everyone says, comes again. He will come again. You will share in His glory. So put all evil things out of your life. Sexual sinning, Doing evil, letting evil thoughts control you, wanting things that are evil and greed. This is really serving a false God. These things make God angry. In your past, evil life, you also did these things. But now also put these things out of your life. No anger, no bad temper, no doing or saying things to hurt others, and no using evil words when you talk. So if we can summarize all this passage in one thing is we need to clean out the garbage in our lives.
1: Whenever we are having a guest in our homes, what do we do? What do we do when we have people visiting us at home? We clean up the house. We need need to make
0: sure that everything is proper. We don't want our guests to feel that they're not in a welcoming environment. And some of you stress a little bit more than others regarding this. Not saying that (laughs) no one here hopefully has problems with cleanliness, but it can be subjective of how much things can be clean. But we start tidying things up. We pick up the garbage, Because we want to make sure that our place is a welcoming place to the guests. Now remember, Jesus is coming back. There's a sense of urgency in making sure that there are no rough areas in our lives. That there are no secret corners in our lives that just are accumulating of garbage. We should be busy making sure that we're not leaving unattended areas in our lives for sin to grow. James chapter 1, it says, Getting angry at things will never help you live the righteous life God wants. So get rid of all the filth and evil habits you have learned. Then humbly accept God's word planted in your heart. Because it can save your soul. You know, Christians that are just angry and disappointed with the world are not doing themselves any favor. And I actually know several Christians that every time that you talk, they're just angry and upset about the state of the world, and they're upset about the economy, and they're upset about evil, and they're upset about these things. But just being angry
1: and upset with the world doesn't change the world. If you're disappointed with the state of the world, we just need to
0: focus on and have a good look inside our own lives. Just because the world outside is evil, it doesn't mean that there's n- there aren't things in our lives that we have to deal with. Did you notice that so much of the garbage in our lives based on these passages are simply attitudes?
1: Things that we probably don't even notice. But your wife knows about them. Your
0: husband knows about them. Your children know about them. Your colleagues. Your employees. Definitely your employees. Your friends. If they are still around. They know what are the issues in your heart. As Christians, we are not called to trust in our own righteousness. But accept that as we're waiting for the return of Jesus Christ, there is still a lot of work that God needs to do in our hearts. There is still a lot of work that you and I need to be putting into our hearts. Don't be blinded by the evil that is outside without taking a good look inside your heart. We need to spend this time focusing on the things that you and I are still battling with. Maybe you are aware of them, and maybe you are not. So ask the people that are closest to you. What have been the the sources of your lively
1: conversations, of your discussions? What is in you that needs attention? Do you have habits that are unlike Christ in your life? The Word of God is telling us before
0: the second coming of Jesus, we need to be dealing with that. We need that kind of accountability with one another. The second advice, we find it in 1 John chapter 2. Verse 28 says, Now my children, stay with Christ. Then we will not be afraid on the day when we see Him again. We will not be ashamed to stand before Him when He comes again. We're just saying that every time we see Jesus' face when we worship, of course not in a literal way, but with the eyes of our hearts when we see Him, that we are met by love, and that is true. But the Word of God actually says in the second coming of Jesus, a lot of people will look at Jesus and be filled with shame. They will be filled with instant embarrassment because they weren't living with Jesus up until that moment. So God's advice and God's order for us is we need to stay close to Jesus. This is a good advice regardless if Jesus comes today or in 50 years. We need to stay, we need to remain close to Jesus. The reason we get married is because we found someone we want to grow old with.
1: We found someone that we don't imagine spending the rest of our lives without this person. But
0: my relationship with Gabby does not complete me. Any human relationship isn't given to us by the Lord to complete
1: us. Because only Jesus can complete us. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 5, the spirit that God gave to live in
0: us wants us for himself alone. So give yourself completely to God. Draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. There is a commandment in the word of God, stay connected, stay close to Jesus. Don't treat Jesus as someone that you visit once a week. Don't treat treat Jesus as someone, just a neighbor that you see from time to time when you get out of the house. Live with Jesus as you don't live with anyone else, as your closest companion, as your confidant, as the one that knows your soul like no one else. And the blessing that we have is that you don't have to be perfect to stay connected to Jesus. It's time that we put aside that those lies from the enemy that say you don't cannot be in a close relationship with Jesus because you're full of sin, because you're a sinner, because you're not worthy of
1: Jesus. You don't feel all huggy and lovey with Jesus because you're filthy. Because there's too much in your life you've gone with for, in way too much.
0: You'll be lucky to be in heaven one day
1: with Jesus. So just wait for that moment because now that will not happen. Those are simply lies from the devil. You don't have to be
0: perfect to be in an intimate relationship with Jesus. Because none of us are perfect. We're not in a relationship with Jesus
1: and a close one because we deserve it. Because we deserve Him. We're in a relationship with Him because
0: of His grace. Because of His love for us. That covers a multitude of sin. That covers a multitude of wrongdoing. That is actually the effect of you living close to Jesus. He wipes your sins away. He cleans your heart so that you can live for Him. The more you stay connected to Jesus, the the less sin will have an impact in your life. The less power sin will have in your life. So stay connected to Jesus. Draw close to him because the Word of God says in 1 John chapter 3 Dear friends, now we are children of God and we have not yet been shown what we will be in the future. (laughs) But we know that when Christ comes again, we will be like him because we will see him as he really is. Christ
1: is pure. And we are not pure yet. We do not feel pure yet. But all who have this hope in Christ keep themselves
0: pure like Christ. On the day that Jesus comes back, God will finish up the work that He started in our lives. We will be pure like Jesus is. But in the meantime... The hope that we have in Christ, this relationship that we have with Him will help us keep ourselves pure.
1: Now in our day-to-day, I believe we can testify how wonderful Jesus is,
0: how faithful He is to us, how blessed we feel to have Him in our lives. But let me ask you,
1: if, God, if Jesus was called to testify about you, about your relationship with Him, what would He say? Would He say that you're living in a close relationship? Would Jesus say, He's someone I can count on? She is my servant. She's always there. He lives a life of prayer. She is always in my word. He's always looking for different ways to love other people. What would Jesus testify of our relationship with him? Third advice, James chapter 1 verse 3.
0: You know that troubles test your faith and develop endurance. So let your endurance grow, for when it is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for everything. The third advice from Scripture is to use hardship to become spiritually strong. Trouble, persecution, stress are not things we can choose not to go through in life. These are things that we have to go through in life. But God allows them in our lives not for our
1: doom but for our good. How many of you know what is a dumbbell? How many of you go to the gym? You know those weights that you carry
0: and you see the, especially the men in the mirror just doing like this, just showing off their biceps and working out. That's actually good for you. Is
1: it pleasant? No, it is not. At least for me, it's not pleasant. It's heavy. It's a burden.
0: And after a while of doing all of that and you actually start feeling good because you can see the muscle grow,
1: but all of a sudden, the pain becomes unbearable and you put it down. If you were carrying a dumbbell on on the day-to-day, when you go shopping, when you go to work, when, when you
0: go out, If you would be carrying that every single day in the same way, that's a burden. But if you use that same weight at the gym in order to work out, in order to grow resistance and endurance, it becomes a tool. When you are in Christ, every problem in your life is actually helping you to grow spiritually strong. And the result of that is that you will be more like Christ in character. Now, some of you already experience this in your life. Going through hardships actually brings us closer to God. It really develops
1: endurance. It really helps us develop our faith and our hope in Christ.
0: But I know that for some of us, it is a really hard thing to do to use our troubles to develop spiritually. That is an interesting fact that I don't know if you know about it, but it's proved that in most cases, people perform better when they do exercise in a group. That is why we're not meant to go through the hardships in life alone. That's why God has given us the church. The church is here to help. You will never be alone if you don't know how God can use your troubles, your hardships for His glory. How God is allowing that problem in your life, not for your doom, but for your good. Talk to someone. Share that burden with someone. And through that, we will grow together and be everything that God wants us to be. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, May God, who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put together spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master, Jesus Christ. Do you feel that life is falling apart? God can make you whole. God
1: is working actively to keep you fit for the coming of Jesus. So if you're not
0: growing stronger, or if you feel that you're not growing stronger, know that the presence of trouble simply means God is making you ready
1: for the coming of Jesus. Another important point through the book of James is that God's generosity
0: to us should make us generous to others. In the book of James, it's such an interesting book. And if you know about the book, it really talks about faith and it talks about works. And it talks about faith actually needs to be something that we put in practice. And put in practice especially in a way that we love others. In the way that we serve others. In chapter 1, James talks about how we should take care of the orphan and the widow. In chapter 2, that we need to give food and clothing to those who are in need. In chapter 5, it even talks about how business owners need
1: to pay fair wages to their employees. The Bible shows us an episode
0: when a very wealthy man came to Jesus and and he wanted to know how he could prepare himself for eternity. What should I do to have eternal life? And it's very interesting, and I learned this just yesterday, that Jesus actually gave him investment advice. That's what you do to rich people. You don't tell them what to do you give him investment ideas he was rich so it means that he had more than what he needed to live with and jesus tells this man in luke chapter 12 verse 33 sell what you have and give to those in need this will store up treasure for you in heaven by getting your treasure into heaven it will be safe for eternity no thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. So Jesus is telling this man that wanted to know, how can I be ready for eternity? Jesus asks him, tells him, why don't you sell some of your assets, and why don't you invest in something that is a lot safer than anything that you can find on earth? I don't know if there's someone in this room who invested in Apple stock in 1980, or someone that bought a whole lot of Bitcoin in 2009.
1: I'm looking and trying to read your faces. I don't think so. Someone bought Tesla stock in 2010. If you did any of these things, you're probably a very happy person. A very wealthy person. And let me tell you, if back in the
0: day, if you knew the things that you know now about these companies, you would have put everything you had into them. Now, God is not giving us this idea of
1: investment for our own greediness. But to understand that if we value the things that God
0: values, we will never be on the losing end. Think about it. When Jesus comes back, what will happen to everything that you have in your bank account? When Jesus comes back, what will happen to all of your properties, all of your possessions, all of your resources that you've gathered? If we truly believe our destination is heaven, then how we spend our resources here on earth matters. 1 Timothy chapter 6 tells us, tell people to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need. The Bible says in Proverbs, those who give to those in need are actually lending to God. And that God pays them back with interest, more abundantly. Always ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they're storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a
1: fruitful Christian life down
0: here as well.
1: Every time we give, we're breaking the
0: mindset of materialism. Every time we're generous, we become fruitful. Every time we give to others, we're becoming more and more like Christ. In the days that we live, waiting for Christ's return. These are not days to store up treasures for ourselves here on earth. These are days that we
1: need to be investing in the kingdom of heaven. Thankfully, the resources that God has given us allows us to be in this room here
0: today. But actually five years ago when Riverside-Lisbon started, we didn't start out in this room. We started in a very small room, just outside of Lisbon. We didn't have many resources, but the people of God gathered there. And we worshiped God there until one day that someone that got entrusted with more resources...
1: And someone who wasn't greedy, but someone that had a heavenly mindset. They said,
0: I have more than enough that I need to live here on earth. So let me invest in the kingdom of heaven. And because of a few people decided to invest, we were able to move to this place and more people are able to worship God. We're able to help a lot more people with the Lisbon Project during the week because a few people decided I'm going
1: to be faithful with what the Lord entrusted me with. And I've never seen personally,
0: I've never seen people that are putting what they have and entrusting it into the Lord's hands and coming out on the losing end in life. The Lord knows those who are serving him with their resources. It doesn't matter if you have a lot or if you have very little. Because Jesus blessed the offering of the poor widow that only had two coins. But she made the wise decision to invest in the kingdom of heaven. I'm not saying that you need to sell everything that you have. No. Not saying that. But think about how you're using your resources. If the Word of God is telling us that we need to prepare for the second coming of Jesus, it will eventually affect the way that we are spending the resources that He has been giving us. How are we prioritizing the kingdom of heaven How are we preparing for the second coming of Jesus
1: with our finances? I want to invite you all to stand with me this morning. And there was
0: a lot more advice that we could share from the Word of God.
1: But I want to close with this verse in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And the good news about
0: the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. So that all
1: nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Now, if, if we had to see this passage literally, we could already
0: say that the word of God has reached the ends of the world. Has reached every nation. Since some decades ago, there are satellites that are going all around the world that they're bringing TV networks, they're bringing information, and there's internet as well. and, And there's not a spot on this planet that the digital world hasn't reached. And actually, a lot of people are getting to know Jesus through modern technology. But I don't know... Exactly, what is Jesus' criteria for this? But what I know is that God wants us to share the good news of His coming to the whole world. God wants us to share the good news of the love of God for everyone that is around us.
1: God wants the people that are in your life to know that they're loved, that they're forgiven, that they're accepted. And God has a plan and a purpose for their lives. Not just because of
0: eternity. And it's true that we will only be able to go to heaven and be with God. If we belong to him. But actually people's lives on earth change. When Jesus comes in. And you know a lot of people in your life. People that are going through hardships. People that are going through depression. People that are going through divorce. People that are lonely. People that are sick. People that feel helpless. People that are in debt. Jesus can make a difference in their lives today. As we are waiting for Christ's return, the good news of the gospel can transform people's hearts today until the moment Jesus comes back we need to proclaim the gospel to everyone so that the hope that you and I have as we look into this world as we look into everything that is going wrong we can still have hope this world is in need of hope and there's only one hope that is Jesus is coming back Our Savior is coming back. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you are reminding us once again that we are loved by you. Thank you that we can live in your presence. Thank you that our sins are forgiven. Thank you for this glorious hope that we have in you. That no matter what we face in life, no matter how hard
1: things get, no matter how ugly the world turns his face at us, we know that we have you. And because we have you, we have everything.
0: Lord, we don't want to be ignoring your coming we don't want to ignore the warnings from your word that says that you are coming soon and you're coming soon to get us back to you father i pray that your spirit will will speak into everyone's heart this morning That the blessing and the confidence of your coming will bring so much comfort into our lives. That no matter what we're going through, no matter how hard things are getting, Father, everything will end as we will start living in your presence forevermore. Help us to focus on eternity, Lord. Help us to put into practice everything that your word says that we should be doing right now so that we can start living for your glory more and more each day until the day that comes when we will see you face to face and live with you forever. Prepare our hearts, Lord, for your coming and let us live in worship in your presence. We ask you this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.